Blog Talk Radio. afternoon, good evening, my dear listeners, um, no matter where you are and when you're listening. Uh, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And if you're listening live, you know it must be Wednesday morning. And if you're new to the show, I'm Karen Tate, and my guests and I discuss um, a lot of the stuff sometimes maybe mom told you never discuss at the kitchen table. Uh, that could include uh, sex, power, gender, religion, politics, uh, alternative spirituality even, and I discuss these things with a broad spectrum of visionaries and forward thinkers, women and men, uh, from a right brain perspective sometimes. Some might even realize they and their ideas and values fit comfortably uh, under that new normal or goddess umbrella. Some call these ideas and values the feminine consciousness or the shift away from patriarchal domination to manifest that much-needed new normal. These are issues that could raise your consciousness or save the world or just broaden your horizons. And um, I, and I say, you know, fear not. Uh, taste the forbidden fruit. Even if mom would have wagged that finger at you listening to this or talking about this, we need to rethink, reclaim, and embrace the age-old knowledge uh, that maybe we've never learned about or has been denied us. So let's uh, let our voices be heard. Let's change the world. Unlock your transformational toolkit and empower yourself as you learn long-hidden truths from your home altar to the voting booth. And learn what denying the feminine face of God has cost humanity, particularly women. And today, um, I am so happy to say I have with me uh, just a fun couple, Jonathan and Andy Goldman, and we are talking about their new book, uh, Healing Sounds for Health and Happiness. Uh, Jonathan is uh, the author of uh, Healing Sounds, The Power of Harmonics and the Humming Effect, Sound Healing for Health and Happiness, which he co-wrote with Andy, and uh, these uh, are the topics of today's show, Uh, and they're both here with me. Uh, Jonathan is an international authority and pioneer in the field of sound healing, also a musician and teacher as well as Andy Goldman, a licensed psychotherapist uh, specializing in holistic counseling and sound therapy. They're going to share their knowledge with us regarding how sound actually heals as well as the methods of using sound for healing. So um, as long as we have time, we're going to dig deep into frequencies and harmonics as well as the importance of intent when using this modality of healing. And the Goldmans will share with us the most important healing instrument and why they think sound can be used for planetary healing. So anyway, I plan to shake things up a bit and even ask about the ancient system, see what they know about it, how it was used, and as well as their thoughts on if sound can move large stones uh, in ancient times to build temples. So I can imagine they're sitting in their home studio right now looking at each other, and they're either shaking their heads up and down or they're rolling their
their eyes, one or the other. <laughs> so anyway, Jonathan, Andy, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Oh, Karen, thank you so much. We are absolutely delighted to be here to share our information on sound with your audience. It is really a delight to be talking to you, and uh, I have to tell you that sound is such a powerful tool that everyone, from any of your listeners, well, one of our purposes is to really just help educate and inform people so they can be empowered with the ability of their own sounds to heal and transform. It's a real blessing. And, and well, sound and, you does know, I shake things up. <laughs> sound does shake <laughs> well, things up. I like that you said that earlier. <laughs> Well, and uh, I, I think also that, and I could be wrong, I mean, um, we're all in our little bubbles, you know, but um, sound isn't maybe the first go-to as a healing modality. I would well imagine most people have never heard of it as a um, as a tool to maybe heal themselves. Would, would that be accurate or am I just behind the, you know, behind the curve? Golly gee, it depends on who you're talking to. We have I've been in this field for 40 years, and in the last 10-plus years, I've seen an incredible blossoming of the awareness of sound for healing. Yet at the same time, it's macrocosm, microcosm, and, you know, big fish, small pond. And the fact is that a whole lot of people are still back in the 1980s when I began researching this, and I talk about healing with sound, and they say to me, oh, yeah, I've heard that music has charms to soothe the uh, savage beast or whatnot, but here we're talking about molecular realignment of uh, structure using sound, which is a little different. Andy? Well, Karen, you're really right about that. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons that we wrote our book, The Humming Effect, was because we wanted to open up more people's consciousness to the world of sound as a healing modality because it is indeed a powerful, powerful tool that we all have within ourselves. We have a voice, and that's the main focus that we utilize as we talk about sound as a healing modality. Andy has just passed the uh, sonic football to me. I'm just going to continue on immediately telling you, without you even asking, Karen, if it's okay, that there are two major ways that sound affects us. Okay, the first is called psychoacoustics, and that means the sound goes into our ear, into our brain. It affects our heart rate, our respiration, our brain waves, all sorts of things like that. And when we listen to music, when we listen to people's voices, when we listen to the sounds around us. Any sort of listening experience like that is a psychoacoustic experience. But the other, if you like, way that sound affects us, which is becoming more present in the world, is called vibroacoustics. And that, where, that is where sound goes into our body, affecting us on a cellular level, and even going down to our molecules and our DNA. And just to affirm that this is real, New York Times Science Section, February 8th, 1988, the subheadline was Sound Shaped into Dazzling Tool, Can Make, Break, or Rearrange Molecular Structure. And then here's the next one, 
or levitate objects. We'll talk about that later, but you can get that this is real. This is a real energy form, and perhaps, as the ancients knew, the original, if you like, form of creation, they call it the Big Bang. We think it should have been called the Cosmic Hum, but regardless, in all these different traditions, you have the concept that sound, that some sort of vibration, whether it's the movement of Shiva or Brahman uh, taking a breath or whatnot, this vibration created, if you like, the field of uh, manifestation that is what we call the universe. Well, and also, Karen, our main goal, our service, really, is to bring as much information and education about sound to as many people as we possibly can, because you are really right about that statement, that there are a lot of people that go, sound? What are you talking about? How does sound heal? And why do you use sound? And so, you know, just hearing what Jonathan was just saying with, you know, the way that sound affects us... There, even with something as elementary as a hum. Now, of course, in our book, The Humming Effect, we call it conscious humming, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But when we are humming, so many physiological benefits are occurring in our bodies. We have an increase in the oxygen in our cells. Our blood pressure and our heart rate is lowered. Uh, there are many different hormones that are emitted. So, Jonathan, do you want to say something? No, I, I can safely sense well, that I Karen do. has got a question. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, sorry. I do. Let's stop for a moment. I, I, <laughs> take a breath, you two. Um, so, uh, so my question is, well, it's a statement, a comment, and a question. I mean, I remember back in the 90s probably uh, when I was first hearing about this in Los Angeles. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, came out of L.A., lots of alternative everything. And um, I was really amazed at you could, you know, that we had available to us uh, CDs that, uh, for instance, you could buy uh, sound CDs that could heal particular organs in your body or particular ailments. And uh, and I, you know, I, I'm a Virgo, I'm a skeptic, and I really wanted to believe it, um, but I, 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 I was afraid to, quite honestly. You know, I didn't want to be duped, and I guess I wonder, you know, from what you just said, am I right to assume that you believe that I can pop a CD or a DVD now or a video or something into a machine and listen to a particular vibration or harmonic and that will actually heal my spleen or my liver or my heart or whatever or cancer or something like that? In truth, uh, I'm no. Okay, or it depends. But I, I would like to suggest that there are, is a lot of misinformation about sound, that there is, uh, and this is where I have been very, not only guarded, but really, you know, uh, you know hesitant with, uh, you know, in the field of sound by saying, hey, um, it is really dangerous to be doing that because, um, 
oftentimes, sometimes it works. Listen, before we even get into that, Andy and I would like to talk to you about maybe one of the principles why it works, even if it's just there's nothing on there. Even if you just have the sound of silence. And that would be because of, uh, you, you had a question. Well, I was going to say the placebo effect, uh, you know. Well, but, right, but, but I'm, I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm, we're going to travel back in time to the 1980s when I am working on my master's degree from Lesley University, and I have gathered all this information together. I have a, you can't see me here, but I have my hands about a foot apart, and this is a pile of papers that is a foot high, and they're all different systems of using sound and music for healing. And I am sitting in front of a computer, and uh, this is so long ago, the computer used a DOS operating system with a dark screen and amber letters, and it's waiting for me to give it command. I'm trying to basically put all this information together, and I'm going to be the first person who's really correlated all this information on how different frequencies affect different things. But the difficulty was, Karen, that they didn't align. You had spiritual master A using a particular set of uh, like mantras for the chakras and spiritual master B using a completely different set of mantras for the same chakras. Or you had Dr. X using a particular set of frequencies for one organ and Dr. Y using a different set of frequencies for the same organ. And it just I, I remember sitting in front of this computer with my head in my hands rocking back and forth, being in a state of intellectual angst, thinking, how could this be? How could this be? When this inner voice said, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates its effect, it is also the intention of the person making and receiving the sound. And I wrote down, frequency plus intent equals healing on this keyboard. That was in about the mid-1980s. And that, if you like, that formula, frequency plus intent equals healing, continues to resonate deeply to this day. Well, and back when Jonathan came up with that formula, no one was really talking about the value of intention. And, of course, now it's one of the major uh, aspects of our consciousness. People are always talking about, oh, it's your thoughts that really matter. It's your intention. And, of course, people like Wayne Dyer did a whole PBS series on intention. Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief, Joe Dispenza, placebo, you know. Absolutely. And so it is important as we talk about sound and how it can heal, the intention that we hold makes a big difference. Now, certainly, as we, as I was mentioning earlier, when we are humming, you know, those physiological things are going to happen. We're going to find ourselves you know, more relaxed, et cetera. But intention is a big deal. And I just want to suggest to you, Karen, that back in the 80s, when I, I was, you know, really particularly at that particular time working with a lot of doctors and scientists, and I'd be at these conventions and I'd walk up to these uh, doctors and scientists saying, have you ever thought about the importance of intentionality of our belief? And they'd look at me like I was from another planet, which I well mm-hmm. may be, but regardless uh, it was uh, really, really difficult and frustrating. And then, as Andy said, different 
people, whether it's Wayne Dyer, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Lynn McTaggart, all these people that we know, I uh, started talking about intentionality, and it's been such a blessing because now we can talk about this, and people go, oh. So, okay, so, all right, well, let's unpack that a little bit more. I get the whole intention thing, um, and, you know, it, it, okay, it's a chicken or an egg thing. You know, do we start with intention and add frequency, or do we start with, infre- with frequency and add intention? My question sort of is, <clears throat> do you think you would get the same result if you were just, oh, I don't know, uh, doing mindful meditation with intention without the without the sound element i mean i get that when you hum you're getting more energy in your body and stuff like that does it i guess what i'm saying is uh does it matter what the frequency is um, it may matter or, what the free, it, it, yeah it may matter what the frequency is but the fact is that the formula is frequency plus intent it's not just intent And I have to add this very important element. We are all unique vibratory beings. And so one particular frequency may affect me very differently than it may affect Jonathan or may affect you. So it matters, you know, the person who is in the experience is the number one factor too. <laughs> Karen, Karen when, we, when we begin workshops, we would say, okay, how many of you are allergic to penicillin? And probably anywhere from 5 to 20% or more of an audience would raise their hands. I say, okay, if you understand the principle of sound healing, which is that everything is in a state of vibration, then penicillin is a series of frequencies, if you like. And for 80% of you, those frequencies will be healing. But for 5 to 20%, it'll be toxic. And I think this is an incredible metaphor for anything that we deal with, uh, whether it's aromatherapy, light, sound, pharmaceuticals, food, or whatnot. We are all unique and different. This is so important for us to understand and receive and then take into our lives so it empowers us to something doesn't resonate, it doesn't vibrate, we don't feel good with something, then we stop doing it. Does this make sense? Yeah, but how does, uh, how does a person figure out which frequency is going to work for them? How does it feel? That's the whole thing with humming. Okay, when you do humming, it's real. We can sit here and we can mesmerize your mind for hours on end talking about facts and this and that. But as soon as you make a simple conscious hum and you feel the vibration and all of a sudden, um, for want of a better term, you feel relaxed. You feel, I mean, and we can talk about the fact that your vagus nerve is being affected. We can talk about the fact that you get the release of nitric oxide, which is not only a vasodilator, but it's also an antiviral agent. But you get these things happening. You get oxytocin. You get all sorts of great things occurring physiologically in your body. We can talk about that, but it's meaningless until you actually experience it. And once you experience it, it's real. And and I think when we talk about frequencies and, you know, what's the magic frequency, there really isn't a magic frequency because we go back to how do you feel and we are unique vibratory beings. And so, you know, when you ask the question, well, how do we know what frequency to listen to? Well, 
what is your body telling you? You know, what are your feelings telling you? Hey, I really feel good when I listen to, you know, this particular frequency, this particular sound. Ooh, wow, I don't feel so good when I listen to that one. So really listening to within and being conscious of our own rhythms is something that I encourage people to do because we get really scattered out there in current culture with all the chaos going on. And if we can bring it back inside and listen within, we, we, it, it, it opens things up in a more healing capacity. So you meant so you all right. So I know you have two different methods of uh, to use sound healing. You've mentioned humming. Did you mention the other one yet, or or did I just miss it? Well, no. I, look, we have a gazillion different ways of using sound. Here in here, I'm in recording studio. We have Tibetan bells. We have tuning forks. We have crystal bowls. We have all sorts of different scientific uh, machinery and instrumentation. We have X, Y, or Z. But we're just trying to suggest that one of the great uh, ways that everybody can use sound for themselves is just with their voice. And one of the great ways that people can use their voice is with the hum. The reason we began to use the hum is after 25 years of teaching together, we realized that a lot of the techniques that we taught, really complex mantras, complex overtones and harmonic chanting and all this stuff, they were great and they were powerful. But for a lot of people, it just didn't work because they had such reservations about using their voice. And I remember a few years ago, Andy and I were together and we said, gee, what is one sound that people are not judgmental about? And we looked at each other and we went, hmm. <laughs> and Karen, we decided, you know what, we've worked with so many different sounds and mantras. Let's just do a little bit of, re- we've of course worked with the hum before too, but we went, you know, let's really do some research and find out more about, you know, what humming actually can do. And so, uh, and how can people, actually take humming seriously, the first chapter of our book is nothing but peer-reviewed research and, you know, giving people scientific information and education about what happens physiologically in our bodies when we hum. Because then they would take it seriously. And from there, just an incredible, incredible um opening occurred in terms of finding out about uh, the hum. And we've, uh, you know, we've become really great humming advocates. We're talking about it, uh, not to sell anything, but just to really help bring uh, awareness of sound. And yes, there are a number of different places where you can find different frequencies that people have determined to be used for X, Y, or Z, but sometimes I find that they are not only not beneficial, but they're really misleading and might keep people away from doing proper uh, healing techniques, whether it's allopathic medicine going to, or you know chiropractic or whatnot. In other words, promises that aren't necessarily uh, 
being kept by the uh, people who sell you this or that. And, you know, you find that all the time. Also, with uh, all sorts of other types of things, take this uh, supplement for this or that. Nothing happened. Okay. Great. Well, people can get locked into a particular frequency. Oh, this frequency, if you get that frequency, you will have the frequency of love or you will have the frequency of whatever. And And for us, that's very limiting because there is not – a particular one frequency for any uh, issue, for any emotion, for any ways of healing. I mean, if you think about it, we're mostly water, and water is pretty fluid. I don't know if you've seen any of the work that uh, Masuro Emoto did with his uh, water crystal uh, uh, mm-hmm. molecules. Yeah. But he's, you know, I mean, the idea is that we are 80% or more water, and that intentionality certainly is very, very important, and also vibration. It's a combination of the two of these things, the intention and the vibration, the frequency, if you like. It's not one or the other. I say that unless somebody's got the ability to levitate or walk through walls, in which case it's mostly intentionality, but there is going to be, you know, if you like, a physiological resonance and etheric resonance that occurs with the different sounds and um, how these work and resonate with you depends upon who you are what you are what you need at a particular time and your state of consciousness and your physiological state at that time so it's so i think what i'm hearing you say it, it could be a process of trial and error um, I, I mean, I can see where if you're, you know, trying to de-stress, well, you would feel that immediately, you know. But say you're okay. trying to enhance your immune system, um, you might not know if the frequency you chose um, actually worked for a while, right? Well, there's that, and there's also just as we as we keep talking, we'll keep uh, going back to the hum. Is the fact that the hum is almost as an example, universal, it it works for all sorts of things, but also we say to people, okay, uh, with regard to the hum, everybody's trying to find the right note for themselves. And I've even read certain places where uh, they say, well, you want to hum between 100 and 120 cycles per second. That's the frequency bandwidth. And I have read this information, and it's simply... um, it's it's incorrect. It's a misunderstanding of the you know information because the reality is that we tell people that when you do conscious humming, particularly, you want to do it in a comfortable voice that basically is very close to your speaking voice. There are a lot of people out there who are basically trying to let's say, oh, we're going to tell you what your exact uh, you know they're searching for their own soul sound. You know, it's usually very very if you like, attuned to being a harmonic of your conversational voice. Well, and forgive me for this is a little bit of a departure, but I have to ask before I forget. Uh, I, I mean, I was intrigued by some frequency YouTube videos where people were saying, well, this is the God frequency. You know, this is the, you know, these are the tones you listen to uh, during meditation or whatever to uh, sort of reach the divine source or, you know, the divine source within kind of a thing. Um, I, I guess I just wonder what you 
think about that? Uh, don't you love it? Uh, look, that that is, if you like, placebo. I can tell you what the frequencies are, and I can tell you why. Because a lot of times they came from me, and they're misunderstandings from me, from the people who got the frequencies, Andy. Okay, and, and I want to say that if it's working for you to, you know, for someone, not you, I mean, just anyone, if if those God frequencies are working for you, go for it. But I will say, if you try to find a frequency, there's a lot of information on, and I'm not going to say the frequency, but uh, this is the frequency of love. And this is the frequency that you need for love. And we sort of chuckle at at that because it's sort of like when a mother is holding her baby and and you know humming a lullaby does she need a a tuner to get that right frequency which is the frequency of love no and so you know it just it's you know the whole thing with you know this is the frequency of that is just we don't right. we don't buy it it's almost become like a consensus reality thought form which is a fairly heavy uh idea that if enough people say something they'll bring it into being but the reality is that yes if you listen to the I, you know i understand that millions and millions of people say this is the, uh this is xyz and you know why not? I mean, I, we have nothing against that. If these frequencies help people do that, mm-hmm. we just find that it can be limiting. And what if you don't have a guitar uh, tuner around to make sure you're doing the right frequency? I've also done experiments mm-hmm. where I've basically I've done be, been the Hayoka, the the trickster. And I said to people, okay, here's this frequency, and it's designed for that, and uh, it's not that frequency, and people have the experience anyway. Now, they are reacting to the sound, so sound has something to do with it, but it's, it's mostly the intentionality. Does that make sense? It, it's mostly the intentionality, and also another important thing, it's not just one frequency. It's usually a composite of several frequencies that are really being emitted into the sound. And just real quick, getting back to my book, Healing Sounds, The Power of Harmonics, one of the things, and that was recently re-released in the 30th anniversary edition, and one of the reasons it needed to be reintroduced was so that people who deal with single-tone frequencies maybe begin to understand also that there's actually, Karen, no such thing as a single-tone frequency. That's where people are just mistaken. Whenever we hear a tone, we actually hear a composite of these mathematically related sounds called harmonics. And harmonics create the colors of sound, they create the tone color, and they are actually responsible for the waveform that uh, sound encompasses. And people who are projecting, oh, this is at 432 or 528 or whatnot, um, it's, it's bad science. It's misleading. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, and I think you're kind of proving my my uh, you know proving the point to the skeptic in me that you know a lot of these things I was looking at in the '90s, um, you know, for oh, you know, this can heal this and this can heal that. You know, I uh, just intuitively I kind of resisted it. I don't know. I just didn't trust it, um, and I think you're probably saying that was probably a good idea. 
Well, absolutely. And once again, you were listening within to your own inner wisdom, Karen, which I love. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what we uh, want. <laughs> and it also depends upon But this is a complicated how... subject, though. I mean, it's not simple. It's this is huge. a complicated subject. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It absolutely well, listen, is. We have to take a break, guys. We've got to take a break here, and we're going to come back and, and finish this uh, multi-layered conversation. Uh, <laughs> so um, here is a word from Joe Carson, folks. I hope. Hmm. Well, I guess we're not going to hear from Joe Carson today. Uh, we are in Mercury retrograde, after all. Uh, let's let, let's blame it on that. <laughs> well, anyway, I did want to share a word with uh, folks out there from my good friend Deanna Lamb. She is famous for uh, the Red Tent movement that uh, she was very much a part in. Um, and uh, Maya Angelou said, each time a woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. Uh, and uh, Angelou wrote this before Red Tense existed, uh, when a woman hardly had any role models for standing up for herself, let alone uh, for all women. And uh, it took all a woman had to actually stand up for herself. She stood alone when she was oppressed and stood alone when she spoke up. Uh, the relief of not standing alone is palpable. When I'm not alone, I'm even more invincible, even stronger in my voice and my power and the effect I have on my surrounding and on the world. This is the gift a red tent can offer you and you, in turn, offers others in a red tent. This is the gift the Red Tent Academy holds for you. And that intention uh, is held by my colleague, the womb visionary, Deanna Lamb. And the Academy of the Red Tent opens May 1st, and that is right around the corner. So uh, if this at all resonates with you, uh, please go to her website, DeannaLamb.com. That's D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M. Dot com, DeannaLamb.com. So uh, we're going to get back to um, uh, Jonathan and Andy Goldman here talking about healing sounds for health and happiness. So, um, okay, so I followed my intuition. I didn't sink money into uh, all of these tapes that could have potentially um, you know, healed this or that is was the promise. Um, for you know, for someone that doesn't want to become an expert in this, guys, um, but maybe they want to reap the benefits of healing sound. Are we saying that they just hum at a at a level that feels comfortable to themselves? I mean, can we reduce it down to that, or that's way too simple? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that I'm the guy who bought all the tapes and CDs of the frequencies. <laughs> I got them all if you want them. And uh, <clears throat> very, very interesting. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did not uh, pursue my life's force. I know some people who've done that, uh, basically uh, being the naysayer of all this, this sound stuff. I just want to, you know, suggest that. Uh, there may be more going on. I think that the field of sound healing is a brilliant, brilliant, expansive level. But at the same time, 
uh, it's frayed with all sorts of, uh, shall we say, rocky shores, and that people need to be aware of if uh, something is working for them and why. I'm not saying don't do it, just uh, be cautious. But now getting back to our dear, dear friend, the hum. Um, I'm going to have Andy uh, again talk about the physiological benefits because let's just take them a little slower in terms of what actually goes on. We didn't make this up. This is really researched. And one of the really big things, and I have to say, Karen, this is so important because we live in such a stressed-out world that if you take a nice deep breath and then do a what we call a conscious hum, which is a hum that is basically on one tone and elongated, such as... And then you take another deep breath. And you do it again, and you do it about three or four times. You're going to get some physiological phenomena that is extraordinary, such as reducing your heart rate and your respiration to levels that are literally pharma, uh, pharmaceutical levels. And therefore, if somebody's feeling stressed out, all they have to do is this simple technique. It'll lower their blood pressure to levels well, as though they've taken pharmaceuticals. Right? I mean, that's well, kind of the same as when people do the arm. Well, you know, I've, it, it is, really. And the thing that I think with your original question is, you know, like, you know, you don't want to buy all the books and all the tapes. So you, you know, I'm, someone can if they want to. But that's why we really introduce such a simple method as, as humming, because it really allows people to feel in their own bodies, minds, and spirits, you know, what their voice can do through, you know, diaphragmatic breathing and then humming. And even, you know, we have different... Uh, levels of practices that you can do. Like, for instance, Jonathan and I have a humming practice that we do every day. And we'll hum for myself. I'll speak for myself. You know, I'll hum for about five minutes, and then I go into a meditation. And I find that, you know, it really relaxes my body. It brings me into balance. And so when people are actually doing conscious humming, for themselves and feel that it's one way that they can begin to go oh i kind of get it yeah sound oh my voice you know what karen i'd love to we usually begin any sort of talk we do with what we call the four pillars of sound healing and we didn't this time might we go over that with you and your audience, because it's so important in terms of sound. May we do that with you? Sure, yeah. Just don't, you know, not this long elaboration on each one, though, okay? Can we kind of make it concise? Yes, indeed. Here they are. The first one is everything is vibration. You can just go to your quantum physics uh, books to find out. Number two, intent is powerful. We talked about that. Number three, we are all unique vibratory beings. We talked about that. And number four, silence is golden. And that means that after you've made a sound, you need to be in silence in order to receive the vibrations, vibrational effect, including the hum. When we hum, we say if you're going to hum for a minute, be in silence for a minute. 
or if you hum for five minutes, be in silence for five minutes, because it really is in the silence where the shifts and changes in our bodies actually occur, and it is in that silence that we do listen within, which I think I've you know said earlier, and I think is so important. Yes. Well, so, and you uh, just you just yeah. said something that that made me uh, I don't know maybe I connected a dot or two here. Uh, this idea of the silence afterwards, and um, Andy, forgive me, I, I already forgot the phrase you used, but it made me think that um, uh, you know this divine connection, this connection to source, or I like to think maybe our higher self. Um, maybe when people. Uh, are in that silent moment and you know that's when they receive the message from I don't know their higher self their intuitive self Um, uh, that that feels like that part is crucial right it really is and I mean that's been our experience and and you know it's interesting Karen because the word silent and the word listen are actually anagrams. They have the exact same letters in them. And when you really go deep into that and think about it, oh, silent, listen. Oh, I will go within. You know, and and so sounding before you do that can really bring our bodies into a balance and a, a relaxing alignment. And then we listen and our higher self has that channel to come through in that silence. Karen, it's really interesting you were mentioning the hum and the ohm, and you said, well, they're almost the same. And uh, so here's the do, and we actually have a chapter on this in terms of, uh, you know, in the book, because on a level... It was so interesting. We've in, we have a chapter on the yoga of humming, and there's a phenomena called Brahmari Pranayama, which is a very, very advanced yoga technique, and it simply is humming with your, uh, basically, uh, your ears blocked, and it becomes a real internal sound. But as we went into that, we found that uh, in terms of yoga, there's a book by a fellow by the name of Pantanjali. It's called the Yoga Sutras which is written thousands of years ago. And Sutra 1.27 basically says, the original sound of creation was the humming of prana, the humming of prana, pranava. They had to give it a name. So so they called it Om. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Well, um, you know, I want to get to those maybe eye-rolling questions uh, before we run out of time here. Um, but I am going to be thinking very differently when I do uh, humming or, or or using the um. Uh, you, you really kind of piqued my uh, intellectual curiosity here with all of this. Um, but the, I, I want to ask you about uh, the moving of large stones with sound. Do you think the ancients really knew how to do that? No question, but I, here's one for you. Yeah, so I'm often asked this, uh, particularly you know for you know TV shows or whatnot, and I can talk about, I can talk about that, but it's speculation and it goes on and on from, uh, by gosh and by golly, ancient Egypt to you know there are stories uh, from Tibet of the Tibetan monks levitating these huge. 
uh, stones to build um, monasteries up in mountains uh, to the idea that there was a guy in the uh, 1930s uh, in Florida who built something called the mm-hmm. Paul Castle. So yeah. the bottom line, I'm, I'm, you know, people say, well, you know, what can you say about this? And I said, listen, personally, if I knew how to levitate objects with sound, I wouldn't let anybody else know. I think it's <laughs> really... No, I mean, the sound is such a powerful tool. If it is the original sound of creation, we're talking about something that can move stuff, there's a great responsibility. And right now, people are being a little irresponsible. So I just... Uh, I myself would not uh, let, let that one be known. <laughs> but well, we do well, believe no, I, that. I, I do that. believe it. We do believe that, indeed, uh, perhaps... Those pyramids that were built uh, in ancient Egypt, aha, uh-huh, could have been yeah. done through sound. And just as you can use sound for healing, you can use it oppositely. Any energy can be used in different matters depending upon your purpose. And, for example, in the Far East, there are stories of martial arts uh, masters who can make a sound and cause somebody to pass out across the room. But just because you mm-hmm. have that ability doesn't mean you necessarily yeah. want to use it. Right, right. No, I get that. I get that. I just wondered in your research if you stumbled on uh, across anything that made you believe it, yay or nay, you know. Uh, oh, I, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, yeah. But it is, and I've spoken to Egyptologists who've been either students of mine or friends of mine, and the, the Egyptians seem to have really had a knowledge about this. But um, blessed be, I hope when the time is right, uh, for it to reemerge again, we will have the consciousness to be able to properly use it. Because just because you have the technology doesn't mean you have the consciousness to use that technology. Well, and, and two other questions about ancient sound issues, um, because some of my listeners would, you know, they, you know, they, they would just uh, 300 lashes with a wet noodle if I don't ask these things of you. Um, the Ephesian letters, are you familiar with the vibrations and tones associated with the uh-huh. Ephesian letters associated with the goddess Artemis? Okay, can you say um, a little bit more, because I may know it in another context. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I forget what the five or eight syllables are now, but um, the, the, um, you know, the Greek goddess Artemis was associated with something called the Ephesian letters, which was uh, supposed to be very powerful magic. And if you wanted to invoke Artemis, uh, if you wanted to do magic, you had to be able to say the Ephesian letters with the right pronunciation in the right tone. And, um, you know, I'll just say I've known a scholar who believed he was expert on Artemis and practices uh-huh. and practices and practices and believes he actually made contact, uh, even saw her. And um, I don't know, uh, have you heard anything along those lines in your study of, of sound? I'm going to suggest for myself, and you can do this metaphorically for that, that I, for example, about 15 years ago came across a sequence of harmonically related vowel sounds that I then taught, and it literally... I taught it first to Andy and then to a couple of nurses and was quiet until 
about five years later when Greg Braden, do you know him? Uh, no. He's a um, scientific scholar, but he he basically came up with this whole phenomenon called the, the God Code. But these harmonically related vowel sounds, and I wrote a book called The Divine Name, literally resonated all the energies of the body, created an interdimensional portal, and popped you into higher planes of consciousness. So I know that these different sounds work. And they have worked, you know, whether we're calling it X, Y, or Z, they are mantras, if you like, or mantric formulas that will enable one to, if you like, encode different levels of consciousness. This is very real. This is very true. And this all depends upon who the person is and where they're at. Uh, We do a once a month sound satsang that is available uh, that we then later post on uh, YouTube, and this month coming up, actually in April, it's going to be on mantras, which I've written books on, but the uh, the idea of mantra for- forms is just so extraordinary. Uh, I try to believe that it is, once again, our friend, frequency plus intent equals healing or sound plus belief equals outcome. So in other words, if you have the belief that this will happen, and you have the sound that can uh, probably assist this, you're probably going to get some pretty good results. Okay. And the the final ancient sound question, um, you know, again, I don't know if you've run across this, but um, there were three Egyptian goddesses, Isis, Hathor, and Bast. They were the only right. ones mm-hmm. that had the magical sistrum. And Herodotus said that when they shook the sistrum, they kept the energies of the universe flowing. Now, I realize, you know, that's metaphor, but um, I wonder what you might be able to extrapolate from that. What might, you know, what's the kernels of truth perhaps behind that? Is it everything we've actually been talking about today? Well, sure. I mean, the ancient Egyptians had great knowledge of sound. One of the things I've taught people is to go into the king's chamber and intone this divine uh, name, which is a harmonically related vowel sound. Uh, It's it's available, and I'm not going to get into it now, but but it's something that the Egyptians were aware of and all these different things. I had a great vision of... um, I'm, um, the the uh, name of the Egyptian pharaoh who pursued belief in the one God. Can you pull that off? Akhenaten. Amenhotep? Akhenaten. Akhenaten. Yeah, there you go. Right. And there you the, go. that Akhenaten, of course, uh, basically worked with this, this sound among other sounds. So I think that, and you know, you can go to these different chambers, and they were all, they were created for different frequencies, different vibrational essences, different harmonics, so this is all real. They had this knowledge, the, you know, the ancients, and all these different traditions, whether it's Egypt, whether it's Tibet, whether it's India, or whatnot, they knew about sound, probably because it's on a level, the subtlest, most powerful of what we call, you know, you know, vibrations is the fact that we can all make a sound. And I have taught people easily how to walk into a room, scan it, whether it's the pyramid or one of the chambers, scan, scan it, and all of a sudden you are able to tone, tone it so that literally the room sings with you. 
And you can mm. also transfer that into toning one's body, yes, you exactly. know, toning a person's body and finding the place where they may be out of alignment and tone into that place. And so once again, going back to the importance of the voice and that we all have a voice. And so if nothing else, we hope that your listeners today will be able to go, wait a minute, hey, I'm going to start using my voice to maybe do some healing and talking about all ancient or auricular work in the uh, you know uh over the uh, delphi it's, it's know thyself know thyself and what is the easy the easiest way that you can get to know yourself is with your own sound mm, be your own laboratory your yeah. best well, you are your you, own <clears throat> best laboratory have you guys thought about doing sacred, uh, doing tours to these sacred sites, doing toning in these uh, places? Uh, there are enough people that are doing them, <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we've thought about it. We've been invited numerous times to do that. Um, we haven't taken up on that, but we've done that privately. In, in my book, Healing Sounds, for example, I talk about the experience of. Uh, when I was at the ancient Mayan temple in Palenque, and this, uh, he was actually a brujo. He wasn't a shaman. He was a, a he was a uh, magician who was tied to the energy of Palenque. It took me, I took me, myself and a group of uh, travelers into a, this underground uh, <clears throat> temple, and he said to me, "Make sound." And he turned off his flashlight, and it was total pitch black. And I began again go. And then you can't hear the sound that happened, but this all of a sudden the room became illuminated, and everybody there saw it. And then after a few minutes, uh, he turned the flashlight back on. And we left, and then I, with the group we shared. But that was an example of creating light through sound. And I've spoken to other people since then, and it, it was something that was, was taught in the shamanic traditions, is creating your own light through sound. Interesting, huh? Well, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I remember the incredible sounds in the hypogeum in Malta. You know, it, it just felt like it couldn't have been a coincidence, of, you know, that the acoustics were so uh, perfect there, you know. Oh, no, they knew, uh, it, they it knew about like this yeah, I mean, there's, we just have so much lost knowledge, and I think about um, what we are wasting our time on in this life, in this world, when we could be exploring stuff to enhance uh, our quality of life, you know, like this, which but what brings me to my last question before I give you guys the last word. Um, I, I'll let you know. Let you say it in your voice. You know, how would you like to see sound used for planetary healing? Hmm. Wow, that's a great question, and thank you for that. Because every year on Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, we have what we call World sound healing day and people throughout the planet and we've been doing it now for 21 years and so it has grown and grown and grown and people throughout the planet gather and they uh, send forth their own sounds encoded with the intention of healing the planet sending love and healing to the waters to the planet to all sentient beings and we actually affect what we call the Gaia consciousness a little field of the planet 
don't have time to tell, talk about the science of it, but it, it's it's measured. It seems to be affected, and what a blessing that uh, you know this goes on. So uh, we like to say we heal the planet. We heal ourselves. We heal ourselves, and we heal the planet. There's a real feedback loop there. We have a choice, and we can make a difference. So, uh, listen, we also want to invite everyone to come to our website, which is HealingSounds.com. That's HealingSounds.com, and it's an incredible, incredible website with all sorts of wonderful articles, a lot of free downloads, a lot of all, all sorts of sonic toys and things that you can do, CDs, of course, and we do not advertise any of our products good for healing any specific issues, but a lot of people have had really positive results. Okay. Well, um, it, it, you know, if you want that to be your last word, that's fine. But uh, is is there anything else you'd like to say in closing? Yes. The, yes. the greatest uh, tool that we can do is to add and work with the energy of compassion on the planet at this point. Well, and what I would like to say in closing is that we all have within ourselves the ability through our own voice, to be our own therapist. And when we are caught in the chaos and the challenges and the frustrations and anxieties that are present in the world today, that if we just do breathing and humming, we can really begin to shift and change our own bodies, minds, and spirits and bring them into balance. We have that power within ourselves and i just want to empower people with that last statement as a therapist well (laughs) well we definitely need that so thank you thank you so very much and it's been fun you guys and uh, i'll be in touch with you real soon and um thank you for all the information that you shared with listeners today it's been a lot of fun oh thank you so much karen we've thoroughly enjoyed it it has been a lot of fun we send you all many blessings of love and light through sound and once again we're going to repeat as our last words we heal the planet we heal ourselves we heal ourselves we heal the planet thank you so much all right talk to you soon bye-bye bye-bye Well, that was fun. Uh, I really like that. I'm really into this sound thing, and I wish we had had more time. Uh, But before I go today, um, I want to tell you about a great film uh, called Dancing with Gaia. It's Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film, and she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot the film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affect the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $9.99 at Dancing with Gaia. And uh, the Divine Feminine app. Uh, I wonder if you know about it. 
I know it's been around for a while, since 2016, and to be honest with you, I only recently got on that app and started looking around, but I am amazed. Uh, It's an incredible resource for finding not just local sacred circles and events and resources, but all sorts of other virtual online events that are happening all over everywhere. You can find out about retreats, uh, podcasts like ours, for instance. Um, so please, if um, you know, do yourself a favor, at least peruse it um, you know, on, a, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, I was just amazed at the plethora, uh, the volume, the quality, the, uh, you know, the varied events that are there. Go to the divinefemininapp.com and register. It's quick, it's easy, it doesn't cost anything. And, uh, you, you know, you can at least see what's happening in your area, and you can be put on their email list. So you will get a notice, uh, I think, in your email box maybe um, once a week, I think it is, just to kind of keep up with everything so you're not behind the curve. And as a benefit to our listeners, you can click on Upgrade Membership and scroll down to use the code Sacred Feminine, and you'll get a 90-day access to entering your own featured events that will be sent to local users. All right, Uh, and then just a reminder, my new book, Normalizing Abuse, it is out now, and um, I hope you'll take a look at it. It's got some incredible reviews on Amazon now. Um, You know, I think many of us are enduring some kind of pervasive abuse or we're witness to it, and we might not even be aware aware of it. You know, we're bombarded from so many directions that uh, we may have become blind to it, numb to it. Uh, The abuse almost feels normal. We might sense something's not right, yet the problem isn't always apparent. Um, you know, that could be because abuse and the resulting trauma is not always blatant or obvious. It can be collective, insidious, pervasive. Uh, We may also be conditioned to it so deeply. I mean, we're gaslit um, that we no longer recognize it as abuse uh, by victims, uh, perpetrators in greater society. So anyway, uh, please uh, go take a look. Um, Normalizing abuse, you can find it on Amazon or everywhere books are sold, uh, take a look at my website, karentate.net, and you can find out more about that and a whole lot of other things there, including uh, past shows, future shows, and uh, everything I'm up to. Uh, This week I'm actually going to be at the Harvard Divinity School uh, giving a talk at their conference on uh, uses and abuses of power in alternative spirituality. So that about does it for me today, guys uh, and gals out there. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, please spread word of it uh, to your friends and uh, and colleagues. And yes, I do know today is Thursday, but I want everybody to know that Voices of the Sacred Feminine is usually always on Wednesday. So I didn't want to confuse things, but I did know what day it was. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for listening. Your listener loyalty means everything. And if Mercury Mercury Retrograde isn't still haunting my studio uh, here, I'm going to try to leave us with um, Am Sekhmet. Hmm. 
Yep, Mercury retrograde is still rearing its head. Don't know what that's about, but uh, we'll see what's happening. Thanks, you guys. Have a great weekend, and bye till next week.